Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I chat to former Home and Away and Bondi Rescue star, Ryan Whippet-Clark. Then later on, for the first time, lifeguard Tommy joins me in the shack for Beach Banner and I go to the mailbag to answer questions from the fans. Now let's have a listen to my chat with Whippet. Okay, today in the uh, Beach Shack, it's uh, a warm welcome to... Ryan Whippet Clark, how are you, mate? Good, Bruce. How are you? Yeah, mate, going well, going well. I thought, uh, you know, thinking back to the younger years when I was working as a lifeguard, and then I saw uh, uh, turned up, and I was doing a little bit of coaching with Barry Rogers, and Mum was there, and suddenly uh, Mum was saying she, you know, the young Ryan's there learning to swim, and at the same time they're saying, oh, yeah, but he's on home and away. So tell us a little bit back. In those days, how old were you when you were on the Home and Away? I uh, started filming Home and Away when I was seven, I think. Yeah, seven and uh, did nine years full time up until I was 16. And and then I uh, went back a few times sort of for a month or two months here and there over the next couple of years. And yeah, it was, it was a different sort of experience, I guess, than most kids get to endure or enjoy. But, you know, it was a, it was a wonderful time for me, like learning all that sort of stuff and living that sort of other side to life like a normal kid does yeah it was fun but it was you know it was obviously get a bit of shit over the <laughs> over the years growing up but you know it also showed me a whole different style of living and, and a whole different type of life and going to school and working at the same time so it was a good experience but I definitely you know started when I was young so I didn't know a lot else mm. sort of thing but how – so you just naturally did it. There was no – a lot of training pre that. How did uh, you get selected to do that? It started off – we joined an agency because actually one of the other lifeguards, Bagus, did a Coddy's commercial, I think, when he was like <laughs> – I would have been like six at the time yeah. and they got like 50 bucks and got to drink Cordial or something for a day <laughs> and we were like, that sounds amazing, got a day off school. And uh, – so we just joined like an agency and literally that was the first job I went for. So I had no training. I couldn't even read really yeah. like the scripts or anything. So mum had to help me with those and yeah, just went in and there was 300 kids that tried out around the country and uh, they narrowed that down to 50 and then they got six of us and took us out to the set and we did like some scenes with uh, Nicole Dixon who was going to be all Bobby who was mm. going to be my mum. And so we sort of met a few of the cast and yeah, spent a day at Channel 7, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Even if I didn't get the job, that was good enough. And, uh, yeah, and then it started off as like a five-week little trial and then they put another 10 weeks on and then sort of once I'd done, you know, 15 weeks or four months or something, they they kind of obviously knew that the character was kind of going to stay and be inbuilt for a while. So then it sort of went to contracts of like a year or three years at a time. So, And your character was Sam, so... Did you feel you were playing yourself a bit or it was a bit outside of exactly what you were like uh, in person? There's definitely a lot of similarities, especially as he got a little bit older and started to surf on the show and 
chase girls around and do all the <laughs> things that I was kind of doing in, in my normal life. So there's a lot of similarities, but then obviously there's parts of the show that aren't what I would normally do or certainly yeah, yeah. not how I'd normally behave, and then you, which is actually good because it, it gives you a different outlet to express, you know, being someone else. And I guess the only thing that people don't understand is that it's not actually you. It's not yeah. real. And when you do something mean on the show, it doesn't mean you're an asshole off <laughs> the show. So, yeah, I guess, you know, growing up, for me, I think that was, I kind of got it, but I couldn't see how other people didn't get it, yeah. that I, that it wasn't actually me that was deciding to do those things and it was a story and it's not real. But, yeah, it's, you know, it was a wonderful experience and something I would never change. You know, I, I've really enjoyed what it's brought to me in my life and also the people I've met along the way. Yeah, I remember um, in the days when we were only sort of seasonal lifeguards and I was doing a bit of extras work and I did spend a little bit of time in the diner. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be perfect as an extra. Good to be seen and not heard. <laughs> yeah, so they were uh, some fun days. That's about as best I got in Home and Away. Yeah, so, yeah sitting mate. in the diner in the back, sipping on a milkshake. Mate, if you got to have a milkshake and a burger in the diner, you're styling. <laughs> so how were all the other characters when you like the, you're working with? Was it... I think I was really lucky, like, in terms of the people that I got to work with most closely as a as a young child, especially, as I said, like Bobby, who was Nicole Dixon, who played Bobby. She was my mom. Um, Norman Coburn, who was Fisher, who was sort of my grandfather. Mm. And Ross Newton, uh, who played Greg, who was my biological father, who came into the show. They were so – Emily Simons. Like, I had a really good group of adults around me that really looked after me you know, made me feel comfortable on set and didn't let, it's obviously a very adult driven world. And, you know, I think the sometimes even the people behind the scenes forget that you're only seven or eight mm. and, you know, that I'm trying to learn to read a script while I'm actually trying to learn to read, yeah. you know, like, I, and that was logistically how it was. Like I, I couldn't, you can only learn so much as a little kid. And, and, you know, some people would get the shits with you, I guess, if you stuffed yeah. up a few times, but they were always really good and would either pull them into line or give me the support mm. I needed. Plus, you know, I guess for my parents, leaving a seven or eight-year-old in the hands of a group of adults for a whole for a ten-hour shift is obviously a bit daunting. And you know, those those people made it really easy for my mum and dad. Um, really, you know, and filled them with confidence that I'd be looked after and all that. So yeah, I'm forever grateful for those people that were there in the early stages. And and then I moved as I kind of grew up. And storylines have it: Bobby passed away, and Greg left, and I moved in with like Deborah Lawrence and Dennis. Cord, who played Michael, you know, again, I, I was living in like a family environment and they had kids around similar ages to me outside of the show. So it was really good to be able to lean on all those people for a lot of experience and, and to help me through any challenges that, that you know, the long days, they, they take it out of yeah. you. And then trying to do school on top of that, yeah, it was tough, but it was also super fun and not going to school was also pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so in hindsight, you think you grew up a little bit quicker than you would have if you hadn't experienced been on home and away yeah i definitely think you grow up quicker in terms of learning how to behave around adults and learning the concept of work and hard work and work ethic around you know people that are you know when they're filming a show it's costing a lot of money per minute to film and they don't want anyone stuffing around and you know as a seven-year-old most kids at school are giving the teacher a bit of cheek if you, you can't do that there and um so i did i learned i learned sort of that side of life a lot quicker, I guess, than other kids would. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still me and I don't really take things too seriously. So I was always trying to make it a bit of fun. And I think the as I got a bit older and more 
people started to join the show, like uh, Beck Hewitt and Zach Drayson and those guys that were around my age on the show and yeah. we grew up as teenagers on there, that was when it became a lot of fun. And, mm. you know, Zach especially, we used to torment other members of the cast, hide <laughs> their clothes, stick them in the roofs, take their wallets, <laughs> do all sorts of stuff to them. So, yeah, we had a lot of fun yeah. offset mm. as well. So, you know, like as growing up around Bronte and that, we everyone bags everyone and gets mm -hmm. bagged and... So when that, you know, you started to get a little bit of uh, fame there, how was that, dealing with that growing up into like from seven into teenage years where you would have copped a fair bit? Yeah, it was, um, I guess, like growing up down in Bronny, as you know, like my older brother and that, they, you know, as a kid you get beaten up, you get tied to poles, you get, yeah. you know, sent to the shop, you do all these things, which is just sort of normal grommet abuse, which I don't, I never saw that I should be exempt from that because I was doing something different or anything like that, so... The boys on one one hand were, you know, they gave it to me probably a little bit more than some of the other kids for that reason, um, that I was on home and away and to pull me back into line. But at the end of the day, they were also very supportive of me. And if anyone else from outside of Bronny ever mm. gave me any trouble, that, that you know, they were there first at your defence. So, yeah, I mean, you cop, you cop that stuff yeah. growing up down the beach. Every beach in Australia that I know of has, has yeah. that sort of culture. And I think it's a great learning curve for kids to grow up to learn who their elders are and the people that have come from that area before them and they've paved a bit of a way for them to be able to grow up. So, yeah, I think that's a rite of passage and, you know, I might have copped it, especially externally from the beach, a lot more than any other kid, but I guess at the end of the day it, it hasn't really affected me later on. Do you think you missed out on anything from not going to school week on week, you know, and, and, and hanging out with the, your mates on that side of things? Yeah, maybe a little bit, like... I guess, yeah, you miss out. You don't go to school. You know, I was going to school one day a week at best mm. for a while there. And, um, you know, you do miss out on a lot of that youth interaction. But on the other hand, like my mum and dad were very conscious of that. And I had an older brother and older sister. So there was always a lot of people at our house. Mm. Um, and on the weekends, I'd just be at the beach for 10 hours a day, hanging out with the boys and, yeah. you know, getting up to mischief and surfing and, and doing all the fun stuff that most kids do anyway. So for me, it wasn't like I... You know, you miss the odd carnival or the odd school formal or whatever. But, you know, for me, I, I didn't find it, you know, that much of a deterrent. I certainly wouldn't change what I got to experience just to have a bit more time at school with other kids. And then from there, you sort of finished off school. And then uh, what did you do from there? May I finished high school. And because I'd been working sort of for nine years, I finished up sort of just as I was finishing school. I just wanted to have a bit of a break for a while. So I just traveled a bit and surfed and sort of didn't do that much, um, which, which was awesome for a year or two. Just as I, I did the odd job here and there, my dad's a builder. So if I ever needed a bit of money, I'd just go laboring for a couple of weeks. And, but I never really wanted to lock in a, a full career path straight away. I did a few other acting jobs, some movies and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. And some ads and I just wanted to sort of relax and enjoy myself. And then, Mum sort of woke me up one morning and saw a thing on a, on the news for a, a diploma in uh, sports management surfing studies related around the surf industry and said, I think you should apply for this, blah, blah. And it was on the Gold Coast. So that was my yeah. next move. I moved up to the Goldie and spent a year up there getting a diploma in sports management at um, Bond University in yep. Tweed. And yeah, that was an awesome year. And it turns out that while I was there, I would meet a girl and 16, 17 <laughs> years later, we worked out we're still together. <laughs> With three kids, so uh, yeah, it was a good move. Yeah, and then um, 
what made you then become a want to be a lifeguard? Now you had a you know, you're great water skills and you're perfect for that side of things, but you know to be a professional lifeguard. Like growing up at Bronny, obviously I knew all the boys like yourself, Kerbox. You know, a lot of the older guy, Azza Graham, and all the guys that were lifeguards when I was growing up, I always looked up to everyone just for their water skills. And the fact that, you know, I did a lot of rescues when I was surfing as a kid. And so I always liked that feeling of being able to help people and, and sort of keep the oar area safe, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, I also spent so much time down the beach. I remember Kerbox said to me one day, he said, mate, you are down the beach like eight to 10 hours a day. You might as well be getting paid for it. Yeah. And I was kind of like, Actually, that's not a bad idea, and and that's when I, the idea kind of came in, and obviously then a spot came up that summer when I was finishing up on the Gold Coast and knew I was going to be moving home. I uh, I jumped at the chance and yeah, tried out and luckily passed the fitness test and maybe who I knew I, got I, me a gig. I, I, I think <laughs> I think I only got you in that fitness test, not maybe maybe only a couple of hundred meters behind back then. Yeah, mate, it's uh. And then from there, you know, you've, you've come on and you've learned a lot as a lifeguard. And before you start as a lifeguard or even in that first year, did you imagine what we actually did on, uh, as a lifeguard? Even though you came down the beach every day, you still don't really, I found, understand what goes on unless you're working there. Absolutely. I mean, as you know, growing up, as I said, we did a lot of rescues of people that were in rips after hours or helped the boys out, whatever. Um, I remember we went through... One pretty bad experience when I was about six, 15, 16, and um, Mouse, who's one of the boy lifeguards now, and, and another mate rescued some Tongans off the point at Bronny there, and, and one passed away, and that was pretty confronting to see all that unfold um, as like a 15, 16-year-old. And I remember when I started on the job, I thought, you know, like those things are going to happen, but you don't realise how much else is involved in being a lifeguard until you actually get there and turn up on day one and... You're expected to do all these things from move people to move signs, put the flags up, move the flags when conditions change, always kind of trying to be one step ahead of what the ocean's going to do, which is hard because yeah. it's so unpredictable. But, yeah, you quickly learn. And, and you know, back when I started, you know, there was you know, Corey Adams and a lot of guys at Box, as I said, and yourself on the beach that had had a lot of experience. So it was quite easy to kind of sit there like a little sponge and soak up as much as I could while also being quite a smart ass in the tower and <laughs> giving back a bit of cheek. But um yeah, it was uh it was a really good environment to learn at that time and um I think I picked it up pretty quick. And obviously, you know, I'd surfed my whole life and done a lot of paddling and swimming and I was always confident in my ocean ability. If something you know, something yeah, went yeah. down in the ocean, I was always knew that I had the skills to save someone or back the boys up or do that. But it was the stuff on land that you've got to learn how to manage people and manage a whole beach and first aids and resuscitations, all that sort of stuff that really is what opens your eyes up to being a lifeguard. Yeah, 100%. It's uh, something that takes a long time to learn. But you've been there a fair few years now. I have uh, 17 years, 17 summers I've done. So, yeah, that makes me sound a bit old and... (laughs) How many have you done? <laughs> That'll make me yeah, feel... Yeah, I'm, I'm into 30 this year, so yeah. That'll make me a, feel young yeah, again. Yeah, just want to make you feel good. But, um, uh, but yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of one of those jobs. Like I've done every facet of the job. Like I've been a seasonal lifeguard to sort of full-time and then dropped back to a temporary part-time when other work started coming up later on in life. And, and now I'm back as a casual lifeguard. And I think for me now, the casual lifeguard role is is awesome. Like I've got three kids and two other businesses going and to be able to go down there, it's a place I never want to leave the job. I love the boy, the like the, 
the environment that all the boys and jewels have created down there at the moment and it's such a rewarding job when you when you actually get a shift and get down there and save someone or or you know manage a beach when it's really dangerous and and everyone goes home safe i think it's a for me it's still as rewarding now as it was mm. 15 years ago yeah, I remember you were always um, on to me about getting Sundays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always chasing the cash. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Well, from there, you know, as you said, you, you're a casual lifeguard now and then uh, you've moved into other businesses. So, you know, tell me a bit about – you've now got a gym called E-Lab. Yeah. Just um, give us a bit of a rundown now on, you know, how that came about. And, and Yeah, one of the – when I was sort of just hanging down the beach, one of the other boys that was a lifeguard back then, Trent Langlands, he started going into personal training and I started training with him when I was about 13 – boxing a lot and doing all that sort of stuff and he opened a gym and it sort of just came about he needed a bit of help and he knew I could do some boxing stuff with the clients and mm. so I started helping him out run a few boxing sessions and then um yeah just sort of progressed and he needed more and more help as that gym grew and I ended up saying Man, I'd love to sort of buy in and become a business partner and so we all agreed on that with him and Maddie Gary and then Elab formed about five years ago so that was about 10 years ago we had a different mm. business and then Elab formed and we jumped on board with a physio, Mark Mitchell, and sort of found that gap in the industry that doesn't give the care that people need if they're coming back from an injury or they're really elite athletes or they're just someone who wants to get better at training and look after their body and train pain-free. And so we've sort of created a model of training that involves Pilates, you know, really good strength coaching, plus a lot of the cardio and stuff. So we can kind of get results for everyone that wants to slow it down and then also the people that want to really builds muscle and, and also put, sort of become elite athletes. So, yeah, that's been going really well. We've got two gyms open now in Sydney, one in Waverley, one in Maroubra, and then we've got an online platform as well. So, yeah, it's keeping me busy and it's about all I can ask for. So anyone out there then that uh, wants to get into the fitness and you know, how they go about it, how they get in contact to come to eLab? So eLab Training has its Instagram page or you can write to us, info at elabtraining.com, search us on the web. If you're in Sydney, we'd love to have you come and try out the gyms. And as I said, if you're online, if you're not in Australia or in Sydney, we do have an online with over a hundred different workouts that we can use. Which that kind of started in COVID. Um, we we built that platform quite quick, and we're finding a lot of people are still getting really good results for when they use that. And it's great for our members. Whenever they go away, they can always train online with us still and feel like that we're still yelling at them um, in the gym. But otherwise, yeah, you can message me on Instagram. I can give you all the details. And, you know, the more people that we get in training under our model and improving their bodies and training and getting fitter and healthier and stronger, both physically and mentally, you know, the better off we are. Yeah, mate, that's 100% right. And, you know, great stuff that you're doing. I've noticed, though, that um, Reedy is now stays at your house a little bit. <laughs> I did live with Rudy for 12 months, so I know yeah. what he's like. So, you know, how that's how's that going? And does he still get up at 3.30 in the morning with his cleats on ready to go for a bike ride? He does, he does. <laughs> so, yeah, Reedy's been living a few nights a week at my place. He's moved up the coast a little bit at the moment and obviously, you know, with the roster, it, it allows him to come down to a few days at a time. So he, he stays at my house a few days a week and – um you know, I had two kids, he moved in, so that was like having three kids. Now I've had my own third kid, so it's actually like having four kids in your house, which is good. I, the more people in our house, the better. It makes it fun, and it actually gives my kids someone else to annoy rather than me. And if he's <laughs> only there for a couple of days a week, they really target him for those two days. But he's awesome. He's one of my best mates, and, you know, we love having him in the house. He's 
my wife calls him the second husband because he probably does more around the house than I do. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's good fun, and you know he's welcome whenever he likes. But he's also good to put a bit of shit on, and we play plenty of backgammon. <laughs> I always take his money in backgammon, so it's all right. Yeah, I've noticed that. We used to play backgammon all the time at the beach back in the days when we we're allowed to do that. Yeah. Now, uh, a lot of things have changed over those years, and you can't do too much. No, nah, it's the too busy now down the beach <laughs> to be able to play backgammon. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Whippet, it's um, mate, great uh, for you to come in the beach shack and have a chat. And Thanks I'll for having me. Catch up soon. No worries. Just chuck us a couple of those Sundays whenever you get a chance, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> what a great chat that was with Whippet. Get an insight on growing up on Home and Away and being a Bondi Rescue lifeguard. Now we're here from Lifeguard Tommy with Beach Banner. Yeah, Tommy, mate, welcome uh, into the Beach Shack. Thanks, Hoppo. Good to be here as always. Mate, um, this one, uh, which is something I didn't know, you know, we employed you, you came down to be the trainee and uh, it's something that came out a bit later on that you were gay and I don't think any of the team knew that at the time. So how was your feeling, your first day coming in, you knew that, but, you know, was it something that you, you didn't want to speak about or something that you were quite open about, but just going to see how it sort of panned out when you started. Yeah. I'm one of those people, um, being, being gay and it's a completely, for me, it's a completely normal thing. And, um, I remember my mum saying to me when, when I told her, she said, I feel so bad that you had to tell people that it's one of those things that people have to announce it and it'd be a big thing. So I've kind of taken that mentality of if, someone doesn't have to come out as straight why would someone have to come out as gay and um not that there's anything wrong with doing a big announcement i think it's i think it's unreal when people do their big their big fabulous announcements but for me it's just um it was just something if and i didn't want to be known as the gay guy i just wanted to be tommy and um i've always been if you ask me i'll tell you the truth but I don't. I take it that I don't owe it to anyone to have to tell them as a prerequisite yeah, to who yeah. I am. And one hundred percent. I think you did a very. I mean, looking back now in hindsight, I think what you did and how you handled it was excellent because it just sort of blended in and it flowed through as you started working as a lifeguard with all of us. And predominantly back then, you know, it was all guys. It was. I think we only had the, the one girl at the time, and you know, it's so it's great that the way you handled it because everybody really didn't take much notice of it, to be honest. Like once that sort of came out and everyone just worked with you, as you said before, as Tommy. Yeah. That, and that was kind of what I've always set out to do is it's not, um, it's not something that should be in like 2021. We're in a world where no one really even cares anyway, these days as is. And um, we'll get into that stage back then. And I was just lucky that, yeah, the only person I actually ever had to say it to was Mackie, and he he didn't even tell a single soul because we were walking past, and he said, "Oh, have you got a girlfriend?" And I said, "Oh, not really. I don't really go for the girlfriends." And that was that was kind of it. And a few of the boys was like looking at me on social media and going, "I think he might be gay." And they were quizzing Maxie, knowing that me and Maxie are good mates, and and Maxie wouldn't he wouldn't he wouldn't sell me out to anyone. And <laughs> till Jesse, it took, it took Jesse Pollock actually. Jesse Pollock goes. Hey, do you go for girls or guys? And I was like, oh, guys, that's sweet. He goes, not an issue of me. It's not an issue of anyone, actually. And that yeah. was kind of how it went. 
Yeah, it just sort of blended in, didn't it? And I just sort of heard on the grapevine as well, and I thought, oh, well, that's fair enough. Well, yeah, whether you go or not, you, how we look at it being a lifeguard yeah. is how you perform on the beach rescuing people. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, what type of person or what you're into. It, it, it's You're part of the team, and I think that really worked well. And anyone out there listening, it's I think how Tommy handled the situation with all of us, and, and it can be tough down there with a bunch of guys, the way we are. There's a lot of banter, a lot of bagging uh, down there in the tower, which is all fun and everything. But, you know, when it gets a, a bit personal, it can be you know a bit touch and go. And I think uh, everyone respected you in your position, and I think it worked out yeah. quite well. Yeah, well, I can honestly say there was never one moment where down there where I felt like I was on the outer or had any issues with anyone. And it was, um, it was probably definitely the best work environment I've had for um, – personal matters and everyone always had your back and like you said when you're a lifeguard you don't i don't care who's working next to me what they do in there when they're not at work all i care about is when i'm paddling out when it's 10 foot that they've got my back yeah 100 percent, and that's uh and that's what we're all about we're down there to uh, save people's lives and make sure they uh, enjoy the beach and then go home safe and you know i can imagine other workplaces could be quite tough for people and and trying to you know work in with people and and once people know you know that you're gay, it, it potentially could change the way they work with people. Have you ever found that in, in some of your friends or even um, in, in other workplaces that you've worked? Yeah, yeah, in other workplaces that I've uh, – I have worked in a workplace where I had a site manager, a big construction company, I'll, I won't name <laughs> but um, I had a site manager tell me that uh, the the F word, that used to be another word for cigarettes, you said uh, yeah, like yeah. the Fs don't belong on job sites and i was kind of like oh whatever like you can didn't really go into it but then six months later he got promoted to the uh the the ceo of the company of the rail operations and um i found myself out of work right and but looking back on it people said oh you you can go you can carry on with that and i was like i don't i'm one of those people i'd rather be in a positive environment anyway so you just move you just move on and keep happy with life and do something where you're valued. Yeah, I mean, you've done the right thing there. And, I mean, we really need to stamp that sort of stigma out, you know, these people. I know it's different, you know, old school is different to what it is today. But I think we've just got to just really get past all that and, and uh, you know, people are who they are and that's something that uh, we all need to respect. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it is, And it's just everyone, everyone has their own thing. Everyone has their own nook in life and, yeah, the world will be a lot better if everyone just worries about themselves and what's happening in their backyard and doesn't don't take don't take offence or anger or issues with what other people are doing in their life because if at the end of the day ninety percent of things that other people do don't even affect you. Oh, hundred percent. And uh, thanks, Tommy, for mate giving us uh, your story, and I'm pretty sure that's going to help a hell of a lot of people out there listening to this uh, Life's a Beach podcast. Too good. Thanks for having me, Hoppo. Take it easy, mate. What a debut it was from Tommy with Beach Banner. Next up, I answer letters from the mailbag. This question is from Cassie. If you had to have a gourmet dinner with one of these following lifeguards cooking it, who would it be? Jethro, Joel, Harrison or Jackson? Well, I've done a little bit of cooking uh, in the past, just recently with uh, Jethro and Joel, so... I think if I had to choose out of those four, I would probably go with Jethro 
um, cooking the gourmet dinner. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.